you glad you can say you're one of them? Amen. Amen. Just want to greet you in the name of the Lord. I mean, I won't be singing, so. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. I don't know. I don't know about that, but not, not compared to most people. But we, uh, we love the Lord this 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 morning. We're glad to be glad to be back with you. I know. Um, just bring greetings from our church. We're at Life Tabernacle there um, in Hardy, Arkansas. Um, our pastor, Brother Ben Pruitt. Uh, we just send you our, our love and prayer. I know y'all are uh, just pr- continued prayers for the family and the church here. Uh, God will just lead y'all and guide y'all. Um, amen. So <clears throat> definitely a, uh, a good man. I don't think anybody can ever take that, that spot. Amen. But uh, we... Uh, I uh, was blessed to get to know him a little bit, uh, Brother Earl, uh, near the end, and I was really thankful to get to meet him. You know, as a young minister, <clears throat> I was always very intimidated by, by Brother Earl because he was so knowledgeable, and sometimes he would ask me some questions just to see if I really knew what I was talking about. And and so I, I did some studying before I would come here uh, just on extra, like extracurricular studying for Brother Earl. So, But I did did enjoy him, and he was just a great blessing to me. And uh, you know, he preached a sermon at our church years ago, I tried to go back and find it so I could listen to it before I come, but it was on grace, and there was just so much revelation there and some things that I was going through, and it just meant so much to me as a, as a young believer, so uh, definitely a help there. But uh, if, <clears throat> we'll just go ahead and get into the Word this morning. If you, uh, if you have your Bibles, if you would turn, for, turn with me to Numbers chapter 21 and verse 4, amen, and, and I'd like to speak, if I could, um, this morning if I have a thought or a title, <clears throat> would be the wilderness journey. I know all of us have 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 been in this been in this phase, a wilderness journey, and and uh, we just sometimes we don't know what lies ahead. But you know, I can tell you, I'm going to go ahead and tell you the end of my end of my message, everything we're going to get to. But you know, if you follow him, he'll lead you the right way. Amen. Amen. So we'll begin reading in Numbers chapter twenty, ver- t- chapter twenty one and verse four. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was, <clears throat> was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses and said, Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread, which was the manna from heaven. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much of the people of Israel died. And therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned. We've spoken against the Lord and, and against thee. Pray thee unto the Lord that he would take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when they look upon it, they shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon it, a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man when he beheld the serpent, he would live. And we see... We look at this and we just see, <clears throat> looking back at the children of Israel, how many times God continued to have grace for the children of Israel. And so with that, I'd like to read a quote just before we pray. Brother Branham says in Divine Love and Sovereign Grace, he says, and so here's Moses. He said, now he's, he's brought the children out and they followed him and they're coming out. And instead of going down into the land of the Philistines, God run back or, or God thought if the people said, Surely if they see war, their hearts will sink and they'll run back. So he led them the way of the wilderness. He said, I'm so glad God takes us through the wilderness journey. There he can get us alone, get us alone with God and with his wilderness experience. And, you know, I always wondered for years, and I just found this quote just the other day as I was studying this, why they just didn't go straight to the promised land. And you didn't know that nothing but war laid ahead. And so God had to prepare his people 
for those battles. And so I always wondered why that wilderness experience. And I thought it was the people that were, that were so against going, but it was actually God leading them a specific path to train them up as to what they would need. He said, isn't it strange how God would lead us into great tribulations and trials? And he said, look at all those, how those Israelites were led. So look at the waters of Marah and, and the wilderness of sin and the different places, how the path of God leads. He said, some through the water, some through the flood, some through deep trials, but all through the blood. He said, God leads his children strange, peculiar ways, but God works in mysterious ways. His wonders to perform, it has to be mysterious or he couldn't perform the wonder. Amen. Maybe if you have a special need this morning, if you just make it known by the uplifting hand as we just bow our heads. Dear Lord, we just come before you, Lord, just praying that you just move me aside. Lord, and just come and speak to your children this morning. God, Lord, that none of my thoughts or ideas or anything would be injected into it, but it would just be your, your thoughts, your word, Lord, and, the, and just the, the, the message, God, I pray. Lord, that I would not strew anything or, or use anything falsely, God. I pray that you just bless the people, Lord, for the unspoken requests. Lord, many of us have needs. I know I have needs this morning. God, I pray that just while the word comes forth, you would just direct the Spirit of the Lord in that direction. Lord, that those needs would be met this morning. Lord, that just all the glory and honor would be given to you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. And Amen. I won't, I won't hold you very long. I forgot my watch, but I brought my phone up here so I can keep a, a time limit on it. And it's not that I ever want to put a time limit on God, but we only have so much attention span that we can get through. And I, I realize when that runs out, I, I may just be tilling ground and nobody's planting anything. So, so I don't want to do that. And and so we, we definitely love the Lord, and we, we want to gather just as that day approaches more and more together and, and closer to His Word. But I'd like to deal just this morning just a little bit if I could, and it may take me just a little bit to lay the foundation this morning, but, but once we get going, just bear with me. And, and I thought that was really neat how Brother Branham talked about this, and, and I have a map of the, of the children of Israel's journey as they come across the Red Sea, and it was amazing to me when they crossed the Red Sea, you know, if you're looking on a map and you say north is the top and south is the bottom and right is east and left is west, and if you look at the map, when they crossed the Red Sea, they went in the complete opposite direction of the promised land. And, and you know, you just see God's, God's wisdom in leading them there because, you know, I never thought, you know, I thought it would just been so much easier for them to get there, but there was a lot of extra baggage they were carrying. You know, God had to get rid of all the bad stuff so that he could actually take the promised land so the children of Israel would be ready. And, and so we see that they became discouraged along the way. And just looking here at Numbers 21 and verse 4, just for a second. And, and they journeyed from the Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea and the compass of the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And this, this word discouraged here, it means in one translation to reap. And so what they were saying was they, they were sad. They were, and this was later on after the Red Sea that this, this was written. They had, they had been in the wilderness for some time at this point. And so what they were saying is they were sad as to what they had expected when they crossed over as to what they were reaping. And I know many times in our, in our lives, in our own personal lives, sometimes we look around and we say, man, I'm kind of unhappy at what I'm reaping, but I have to deal with what I sowed first. Is that right? You know, you have to go back and look, well, this is what I've been doing, so I'm, I'm here because of what I've done. And, and you see this word discouraged, it means disheartened, deprived of courage or confidence. And then, of course, that way in Hebrew, it means the course of life. And so Brother Branham says, in faith is a substance, he says, Now, I want you to notice when the children of Israel were in bondage for 120 years down in Egypt, carried down there by Joseph, when they went down, he says, By and by they raised up a Pharaoh that did not know Joseph. And then the people got in bondage and had to make straw houses and bricks and things out of straw and stubble. And they began to cry to God for deliverance. Is that right? And they cried 
and cried, and, and God foreordained a deliverer. Is that right? Moses. And we know that our deliverer is Jesus Christ. Is that right? He came, died on the cross, and, and annihilated our sins where they would no longer be accountable to us. And so I want to kind of look at just the, the, the life of Moses here just for a few moments and kind of lay the foundation in for this to where we're, where we're going to get to today. And Exodus 1 and, and chapter 8, or excuse me, Exodus chapter 1 and verse 8. And the scripture says, Now there arose up a king over Egypt who knew not Joseph, and he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply, and, come, and it come to pass that when they are falleth, there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us, and so get them up out of the land. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh treasure cities of Pittim and Ramses. And so we see that the children of Israel were greater than the Egyptians, and the Egyptians were devising a plan to pretty much nip that in the bud. And, and you know the, the Scripture goes on. They begin to kill the, the males uh, of the Hebrew children and let the females live, and they would kill the males. And, and so you see here that the, the children of Israel were greater, but they allowed this enemy to come in that was lesser and weaker than them and take over them. Now, Brother Bram says uh, God was calling Moses from his birth. Is that right? You know, everything about Moses, God called and God, when the people cried unto God, God sent a deliverer unto them. And I believe today, whenever you cry unto God, God will send you that deliverer, which I believe is, is the Holy Ghost in this day, that, that, that thing that we're sealed with, that spirit that we're sealed with under the day of our redemption, that is what will get us into the rapture. Is that right? Amen. Do you love the Lord this morning? Now Exodus 2 and uh, verse 5, and, and the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and we know what happened with Moses. His mother had him. She, I believe she, she had him for about three months, and then they were, they, were, they were looking for the male Hebrew babies, and she got nervous, and she put him in a basket and, and put him in, in, in the river there, and he floated down, and, and her sister watched him along the way. If you go and, and you read uh, the first few chapters of Exodus, and, and, um, and, and we see that, that Pharaoh's daughter was coming down to the river to wash herself, and her maidens walked along the riverside, and when they saw the ark among the flag, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept, and she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrew children. And then said her sister to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call to thee a nurse to the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, take the child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses, and she said, Because I drew him out of the water. Now we see, I, I, really, uh, I really love this. You see, it was almost like Pharaoh's house was financing the training of Moses. And, and so he was, he was financing the training of what would ultimately be their demise in Egypt. And we see that Moses then, he, he grows up, and then he kills the Egyptian when he sees him beating the, uh, his Hebrew brethren. And, and then you see that the Hebrew brethren speak out against Moses and say, you killed your own kind, why would you not kill us as well? And, and so we see he flees into Midian, he goes out into the desert, and, and, and there he, he meets the priest of Midian, and he marries his daughter Zipporah. And, 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 uh, and God, uh, down on in Exodus 2 and verse 24, and God heard the groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and Jacob, and God looked up to the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. And so we see that this time Moses is called to be the deliverer unto Israel. And so that's the, that's the foundation for what we're going to speak on this morning. So, so now we can kind of get into the Word. And, and, and you know, it, it amazes me is when God calls someone to do something, He doesn't always give them the equipment to go. Is that right? If you, if you look at Moses and you think that God's going to deliver Israel 
it's kind of uh, astonishing to see uh, one man going in to take over a land. One man with a rod, a wife, and a baby. Is that right? And so I like to bring things down to today's times and put them in our perspective today. And so, so many times I would look, you know, and, and the state of Arkansas, last time I looked, had about 6 million people in it. You look at going to the land of Egypt and, you know, the children of Israel around 2 million then you got the Egyptian inhabitants and all the other people there. And it's almost like me and my wife getting on a random mule and riding to Little Rock and say, we're here to take over. And, and that, looks, that looks funny, right? You know, um, it was like, you know, maybe I used to be the mayor's son in Little Rock. I, I did a crime. I ran away. And now I go off and marry a lady, come back with my children, and we're here to take, take everybody out of Little Rock. Right? And it seems crazy, right? But that's what it looked like. Could you imagine Pharaoh with his great armies, his chariots, everything, all these two million children of Israel bowing down to them, doing whatever they said, building these pharaohs, building, build, or building these temples, building all these things, and here come a man with a rod, a wife, and a baby, and a camel to take over the land. So what I want to point out to you today is, is it doesn't matter really what you look like, what, 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 God, what you look like to the world. If God's on your side, if God be for us, no one can be against us. Is that right? I love this many times when we feel insufficient in ourselves. I heard a Brother Branham said one time, he said, what Moses lacked, the burning bush had. So everything that you lack, God has. Is that right? So you say, well, I'm insufficient. Well, God is all sufficient. Is that right? You say, well, I'm not powerful. Well, God is all powerful and all knowing. So whenever you come down, don't look at yourself, but look into the word, look unto him. Now, in this journey, we see the children of Israel, they go through, and we see, we see all the things come down, and, and, and Brother Sam was telling me what he, what he mentioned up here. You know, when he come to let his people go, it was not a request. It, it was a command. When he said, let my people go, that was a direct order from God. And, and when God sends a direct order, it doesn't matter who's delivering that order. If God backs it up, then it, it will come to pass. And, and you know, um, the, the scripture, you look at it, and, and, and it talks about God hardening Pharaoh's heart, and, and then all the plagues come, and and then you even see that after the children of Israel, finally after the Passover and after the firstborn of every Egyptian is killed, you see the children of Israel, even when they leave, God hardens Pharaoh's heart again, and then they chase the, uh, chase the children of Israel to the Red Sea. Now, one time I was dealing with a young man a long time ago, and he, we were talking about grace, and, and he, could not, he could not get past God hardening Pharaoh's heart. He's like, that's not fair. You know, it's, God's not, that's not free moral agency. And I was like, well, you, you got to understand predestination to understand God hardening Pharaoh's heart. You've got to understand that God knew the end from the beginning. He knew what Pharaoh would do. And when God hardened his heart, it showed more powers of God through the plagues. It showed everything coming down through that, that God could deliver his people from a Pharaoh that had a hardened heart. And so you see that, you look in the scripture and you look at these things and there's always a way to pull out and see that God was doing something miraculous and it may have looked like it was harder than it should have been or greater than it should have been, but God was doing it to raise up a people that knew that, that, that he was preparing them for that wilderness journey. Now, you know, uh, Brother Branham says in The Power of Decision, he says, you know, we find that God sometimes leads us right into a great thing. And he said, then to show his power and glory to deliver us. And when Moses called God, God said, stand still and see the salvation of God. He said, my, isn't that an encouragement to stand still and see the salvation of God? And, and many times in my life, I know when something arises, I automatically want to figure out how to fix it. I don't want to wait on God. I don't want to do this. And I have, to, that's just my nature. When there's a problem, I want to fix it. And so many times in my Christian walk, I've had to stop and step back and kind of look and let God come in and take control and see what he's doing. Now, we see that when God comes down and does something in our life, whenever we see, 
we see something's going to be coming up in our life and we don't know what to do, you know, what is your first instinct? It should be to turn to God. Now, we look at the children of Israel and all down through the children of Israel. If you read, uh, I've been just reading through this and uh, over the last few days and then, uh, and then a while back and, and looking at them, every time something happened, they looked at Moses and said, why did you bring us here to die? There was, you know, even though they, they just crossed the, right when they got to the Red Sea, they escaped Egypt, they seen all the plagues, they seen the firstborn of all the Egyptians died, they're gone for a couple of days, they're not that far away, and they, they come to the Red Sea, Pharaoh's army's chasing them, and they say, why did you bring us here to die? We told you not to bring us out here to die. We would have rather stayed in Egypt and lived and suffered and, and been doing this and, and been slaves than to come out here free people and die. Now, that's one thing where I differ with the children of Israel throughout this whole journey is I would have rather died free for 20 minutes than died a slave for 20 years. So you, you, can, you can look at your life and say, well, well, I can get by just barely getting by. I struggle with this, and if I don't, you know, if I don't, uh, don't fight this, the devil doesn't bother me. Well, I would rather fight the devil tooth and nail, be delivered for 20 minutes and die than suffer with being in bondage for 20 years. So... And, and that's, the way with, that's the way with healing. If you're, if you're comfortable and, you know, you're comfortable with that back pain or you're comfortable with this or that or whatever you're comfortable with, but I want you to know there is a God that can deliver you from those pains. Amen. And so we see the children of Israel now, they come to the Red Sea, and we see that when they take their journey, if you look on a map of the, of the children of the Red uh, when they get to the Red Sea and they cross, the promised land is at the very north portion of the map, and they head directly south down the peninsula there. And so we see that we, we, we don't always understand why God is doing things or why he's putting us through things, but God has a reason. And, and we look in the, the children of Israel, and I'm not going to deal much more with this, but we see that Ramsey thrusts them out of Israel, then he chases them and and he, and he follows them down to the Red Sea, and we see the great miracle of God that he allowed the children of Israel to go off, and he kept the pillar of fire to keep the Egyptians from getting to them. Once they got across, the Egyptians came in, and, and the seas then once again come down, and, and the children of Israel worshipped, and they praised God, and they thanked him, and, and, and you know the, the story, Miriam grabbing her tambourine, and they just had a good old worship service. And then you see they continue on through the wilderness journey and, and they see they come to Mara and the, the, the water is bitter and you see that God delivers them from that and then they go to the wilderness of sin and then they get hungry and they're, they're, they're starving and, and God sends the manna and the quail and just all through this God just continues to provide for them. But when they come to a situation... Instead of asking God, they, they begin to complain unto Moses. And, and as message people and as church people and as believers, we can get to a point to where we're going to complain more than we're actually requesting God to do something for us. And, and so I never want to get to that point to where I complain. And, and you know, I, I see it as, as, uh, as being, a, being a minister and seeing people, you know, before they ask God anything, they just go directly to the pastor and complain and moan. And instead of actually asking God to see what God's going to do with it, and I don't mean anything against anybody that does that if you do that, you know, why don't you just pray about it and see if God can meet that need. Amen. Now, we see that through this, God was leading the children of Israel in a specific way. And Brother Branham said it was Jehovah God in the pillar of fire and the cloud by day. Is that right? Brother Branham says, now God at the beginning, he was the great Jehovah that lived in the pillar of fire and hung above Israel and led them. He said, that was God and the angel of the covenant come down on the mountain and the whole mountain would caught fire. He said, fire flew from the mountain and wrote the Ten Commandments and he called that the fatherhood of God to his children, his chosen race of people, the Jews. So we see that that was Jehovah God and the pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day. And, and as we look on down through the scripture, we see that 
It was God above us, God with us, and then God in us. Is that right? And we see that when it was God with us, it became Emmanuel, which was Jesus Christ, the fullness of the Godhead bodily, which, was, which God created in the womb of Mary. Is that right? And, and Brother Branham, just to back that up in the revelation of Jesus Christ, he says, God with us. He said, God manifested in the flesh. That same God was made manifest in the virgin body that he created in the wombs of Mary and lived and tabernacled and stretched his tent as it was among the human beings. <clears throat> He said, and the same God was made flesh and dwelt among us. The Bible said so. And God was in Christ and the body was Jesus. And he said, Jesus in him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He said, you can't make him three people. He says, now don't baptize in three God. He said, there's one God. And he said, now this same God was made flesh and he and I come from God and I go back to God. So we see that that was God with us. And then you come on down to God in us, which is the Holy Ghost in this day. Do you believe that? Now, we see that, you know, looking back, you would much rather, uh, if you asked me, you know, which one would you rather have, I would probably say God with us. I would have loved to have seen Jesus. I would have loved to have seen these miracles. But you look at the Scripture, the most powerful form that God come in was God in us to the believer. Is that right? Because Brother Branham says that we have, you know, it says in the Scripture that we would do the greater works. And, and Brother Branham talks about that we would not have more power than Christ, but we would have the authority to call on that power. Is that right? And he uses the example of the police officer who was standing out there in front of a car and and you know he he looks at the car and that 300 horsepower car when the policeman holds up his hand it has to come to a halt is that right and that's not because the officer has power but because he has authority is that right you know, when me and my wife had our third child, we lost the power somehow, but we have the authority and our kids hasn't called our bluff on it yet. So that when we say stop a few times, then they eventually stop. So you see, we have that authority, and they, they, they understand that that authority, you know, when you go to correct a child, it's amazing, you know, that they, they, you have some children who are timid, you have some that are rough, and, and then you have church members that are that way. It's a little harder to get through to them, and then you have some that just when the Spirit of the Lord comes, you know, they, 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 just, they just weep, and because that's their nature on the inside. Is that right? And, you know, that's, that's, you know, our nature is different. And, you know, last time I was here, I preached on bitterness. And I was immediately tested when I got home. I mean, and, you know, I had someone just, just do something and speak out against somebody and, and, and cause a scene. And then I jumped in there to, to back them up. And, and man, that just, it, it got a little heated for a second. But I was like, I'm not going to back down. And then I dealt with, for the next few weeks, not being angry about that and being bitter. And I was like, why did I preach on bitterness? You know, I've got to preach on faith and happiness, joy and love, and, and so I can struggle with those things. But, but you see, God is going to test you to see if you actually what you say you believe. Is that right? I can get up here and preach a message and preach this and that, but the real test is when I leave here, how do I live? Is that right? I can preach anything you want to hear. You can sing and you can preach anything you want to hear. You can pick your favorite minister, but it's how we live when the ministry is gone. It's how we live when that presence is gone. How are you going to live? That shows you what's on the inside. Brother Branham, I said, I think somebody asked him, you know, how do you know you have the Holy Ghost or a question along that? And he said, check your desire. Is that right? What do you desire to do? Do you desire to serve God or do you desire to serve mammon? Is that right? So we see God in us, the Holy Ghost. Jehovah come down and he raised, uh, he said he raised this prostitute to sin no more. He come down with a drunkard and he said he, uh, who laid unconscious in the, in the gutter, he said, yes, Jehovah came to manifest in the flesh and through the flesh. He said, God in us, the hope of glory. He said, yes, Jesus came and shed his blood to set the captive free. 
He came and redeemed his lost sheep. He gave them eternal life that they shall never perish, and he won't lose one of them, but raise them up at the last day. Do you believe that today? Now, I love this. Brother Branham says you can scream and shout all you want. He said the devil isn't hard of hearing, but he knows where faith is. I can get up here, I can shout and scream, but when I leave, that's when the devil really knows what I'm made of. If I can shout, I can scream, but he's not hard of hearing. He knows the life that's on the inside of the believer. Do you believe that? Amen. We have the fullness. Everything that God had, He poured into Christ. And everything that Christ was, what did He do? He poured it into the bride. Is that right? So everything, all the, all the power that Jesus had, I believe the Scripture says, you know, we are joint heirs with Christ. So everything that He was allowed to have, we as the bride of Jesus Christ are now allowed to have. Is that right? Do you love the Lord this morning? You look at Ruth, and you know, I, I really love the story of Ruth because it just types the bride so well. And you know, you see that she, she went back with Naomi, and I've always told my wife, uh, you know, that, that Ruth was a special story because she really loved her mother-in-law. And, and you, y'all know my mom, and so you know my wife has, has dealt with, you know, just a, a bullheaded mother-in-law for a long time, and she's not here, so I can say that about her. And, and I love her, and I'm just like her. So, and then my mother-in-law is the complete opposite. She's real passive, and, and just, just whatever happens, happens, and that drives me crazy. And then my wife is, you know, looking at my mom, and she's got to be touching everything in charge of everything, and that drives her crazy. And so, you know, you look at Ruth, and it was really a special thing to go with her mother-in-law. She had to really have a testimony. And, and I see Brother Jerry laughing at me. Yeah, I'm probably going to be in trouble, but it'll be all right. I've been in trouble before, and I love them. And it's funny, you know, they may get mad at me, but when something needs moved, they still call me. So, Amen. So we see it. I think it's okay to, to, to smile and laugh in church. I believe we're, we're here to receive the Word of God and we're here to do these things, but I believe Christians ought to be the happiest people. Amen. I, I really truly believe that. And I was kind of studying the other day and I ran into to Brother Jerry last night and, and you know, I, I probably seemed a little flustered because I was, because, you know, kids were running everywhere. We, were lo- we, we looked up, one of them was gone, and then when we went to chase that one, the other one was gone. And it was just a nightmare. So I just had hands full of kids just hanging on to them. And, and you know, I was thinking, you know, Alan, when you go back and you're, and you're finishing up studying and doing this, you can, you can do it one of two ways. You can be mad and get nothing out of it, or you can be happy and get something out of it. And I think you have to make that decision when you come to church. You can come to church in the same attitude you left with, right? And you can leave here the same, or you can come and let the Lord come and, and, and listen to his word, listen to the music, get around believers of like precious faith, and you can leave different. Now, that's not up to the ministry. That's not up to the song leader. That's up to the lay member. Is that right? So when you leave here today, you can say, well, Brother Allen's not the best preacher, but I did preach a little bit. I gave you, some, I gave you, gave you the word so you can leave a little bit better than you came. Maybe not a lot better, but a little bit better than you came. And so that's your choice today that when you leave, how your life is going to be represented on the outside of the church. Now, we see that we have the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and looking back at Ruth, and, and we see that, that, that it, it's so amazing to me to see the story of Ruth, because when he was redeeming, when he come to do the redeeming, you see Boaz, and he went to the nearer kinsman redeemer, and he, and he told the kinsman redeemer all these things that he would have to do. And, 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 and the, the, the nearer kinsman said, yes, I, I will do this. And then he said, well, you will also have to take Ruth as a wife unto you and the, and the, the, uh, the, 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 the daughter-in-law of Naomi. And, and so the kinsman said, I, I can't do that. You know, I, I can't do that. And then Boaz stepped in, and, you know, it was a symbol then. They took off their shoe, and they, and they gave it, and it was a symbol unto him that he had redeemed all that Naomi had lost, all that Ruth had. He had redeemed it all. And it's so amazing to me that, 
you know, <clears throat> uh, many people, they, they want the social status. They want friends, and they, they want to they run in maybe certain, certain circles, and they want to do this, and they want to do that, and that's all good and fine, and I believe you should live the best life that you can. But what really matters is, is a kinsman that wants you. And I want to focus on that tonight. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't you know, just a prophet that come and, and that, that did this for no reason. He come because God had a bride in this day that he was calling out. Is that right? And it was you and I. Do you believe that this morning? And I think it feels so good to be wanted that God actually sent his son to die because he desired to dwell with me. Is that right? He desired to have fellowship with me. And as believers, that ought to inspire us to say that, you know, no matter this one rejects me, no matter what this one does, if God called me, then that's all that matters. If God selected me, that's all that matters. Now, Isaiah 43 and 2, it says, When thou pass through the waters, he said, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall thy flame kindle upon thee. Now, you look here and you see that, that this is a promise of God that whenever we walk through these things, God's going to protect us. Do you believe that? Now, there's a quote that I like. It says, being negative only makes a difficult journey more difficult. You might be given a cactus, but you don't have to sit on it. So we see, and I know that's a little bit crude, but we're given situations in our life. Is that right? We're given situations at work and family, things that we don't want to deal with, but we're given them. And we have the ability to handle them correctly, as the Word would direct, or we have the ability to let them overtake our life. We have that ability as believers, and, and whenever, you know, whenever you look at life, <clears throat> things that are always given to us, it's not always fair. And you, you, look, at, you look at fairness. One time I was, I was a manager and over, over several people, and, and the HR director come to me one time, and he says, Alan, do you want to treat everybody the same, or do you want equality? He's like, do you want to be fair, or do you want to treat everybody the same? And I was like, man, I really don't know how to answer that. And so the way that I, I looked, I looked at it and studied on it, and, you know, if I treated everybody the same, let's say we're, we're looking over a fence, and let's say this fence is five foot, and I'm six foot, so I can see over it, and let's say the next person is, is five foot, so they can just barely see over it, and then I get Matney, and we're all on a one-foot box. That's, that's, that's equal, right? That's fair. Everybody gets a one-foot box to stand on to look over this fence. Well, to my three-foot-year-old, three-foot-tall son, a one-foot box doesn't get him over the fence, Right? right? So I'm fair. Everybody gets a one-foot box to stand on and look over this fence, but he's now at four foot. I'm at seven foot. The guy next to me is at six foot because we got on a one-foot box. So you look many times and you see it seems like God isn't being fair because he's dealing with this one in a certain way and he's dealing with you in a certain way. God is not dealing in the way of fairness that everybody gets the same thing, right? We don't all get one-foot boxes. We don't all get the ability to sing. We don't all get the ability to lead. We don't all get the ability to do this. But whatever God gives you, that's equality to you. That means that God gave you something to do something with. Is that right? You look at the, you look at, uh, the story in the Bible where the, the, uh, the guy, he gave, um, he gave one one talent, one five talent, I believe one ten or twenty. That didn't seem fair, but what happened? The one with one talent, he buried it and he kept it. And then the other guy, he, he maybe put it in the bank, got a little interest. The other guy invested it and doubled it. So what God gives you, it's your responsibility to take that and use it. It's not your, not your decision to say, well, God, I want this gift, or I want this job, or I want this position. That's not what God does. God calls you for a specific purpose. And I believe, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a saying that says, you know, God's gift of, God gives you a gift. And our gift back to God is to use that gift. 
right? If God gives you something to do, you ought to do it to your best of your ability. And now, um, there's a quote, it also says, returning hate for hate only multiplies hate, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. So whenever you're caught up in a situation and you're in, in, you're in this wilderness journey and you just don't know what to do, I can promise you, if you return hate for hate, more hate will come. But if you return love for hate, God will allow something to good to happen out of that. And you know, at work, um, it's really funny, they've started sending all the, the, the people who are arguing and fighting, they'll send them to my office because um, they found out that I can deal with people good because one, you know, if it doesn't concern me, then I, I, it's not easy to argue with somebody that doesn't argue back, right? You know, when somebody is mad, they're in my office and they're just, this is terrible, this is terrible. And I'm like, oh man, I agree, that, that is terrible. And they kind of calm down and I'm like, man, this is, I mean, I'm sorry. You know, I'm genuinely sorry for you. And you know, they figured out that if you don't argue back, people kind of slowly let off the gas a little bit. But we've got a couple people in the, in the organization, they found out that if you send them to them, it's just a fight because they like to argue back, right? Right? You, you like good competition, is that right? You know, if you, uh, you, you try to argue with your spouse, I, I don't recommend this, typically don't end well, but, you know, if they don't fight back, then there's no argument, right? Right? And so you see in churches, we're responsible for how the tension is, how things go, is that right? I'm responsible for how it goes at my church as a lay member, as a, as, as a minister there. You know, if, if, there's, if somebody comes up to me and, and wants to argue, I have the choice to either argue back or walk away, and, which I was tested on and possibly failed. But you see, it's God working on us. Is that right? And I'm not afraid to tell you, you know, what I've done wrong. It, it is what it is, right? I've repented. I've moved on. There was no bitterness. Thank the Lord. You know, God was testing me, and, and, I, and I had it come up in my mind. I was so mad, you know, and, and just trying to control that and, and not let that overtake me and hinder me from going on about my daily business and my life. And, and so we see God gives us tests all the time. And, and so we see as people, it's not always going to be equal. It's not always going to seem fair that we all get the same thing throughout life. And you look at some people, and you're like, well, they don't even believe in God, and God blesses them financially. Their family's good. Maybe, maybe that. And then you're like, you know, we've served the Lord for so long. We've served Him for many years. We haven't done anything, you know, against the message or against this. And we go through trials and tribulations. And, and you see that I always point back to that story, and I think I've mentioned it here, John chapter 9, where the disciples are walking with Jesus, and they come upon the blind man. And the, the disciples ask Jesus, why was this man blind? Because he was blind from his birth. And they said, why was he blind? Is it because he sinned or because his parents sinned? And, and Jesus simply stated, Neither, neither sinned. He said it's not because neither one the parents didn't sin or the son didn't sin, but it's just so the works of God would be made manifest in his life. And so many times we look at our trials and tribulations and it's just God manifesting his power, manifesting himself in our life. Do you believe that? Now, Brother Branham says in The Inside Man, he says in 1958, he says, sorry, making sure I'm not going over time. Okay, 11.30, so we're, we're good. He provided a way like the brass serpent. He provided Jesus to meet all that we have need, need for while we're in this journey between heaven and earth. So to me, that means if I need something, Jesus is the one I go to. Is that right? He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I can promise you in every trial and tribulation I've been through, there have been people that have comforted me, people that have made me feel good, but there's no one that can comfort me like Jesus can comfort me. Amen. 
He said, he said he provided Jesus Christ and he's God's all-sufficient sacrifice. He said everything you have need of tonight, he said it's not in your church, it's in Christ. He says there it is. It's not in your education, it's not in your theology. He said what your creed is, he said it's in Jesus Christ. He said look to him, he said with simple, humble, loving faith and say God cleanse me from all my selfishness and take all the impurities from me and let me from this day be wholly thine. And he said see what God will do for you. So I believe that with all my heart, that, that all-sufficient sacrifice, God being all-sufficient for us, that anything we have need of, there's things that you're going to go through that maybe nobody else has gone through, but I can promise you God is all-sufficient. Whatever you have need of, He will be there and be there able to meet that need. And I know I read this last time speaking, and, and it's called the term, the PNR, the point of no return. And, and the, the, it's, it's often too referred as, as by air, air navigation pilots as the radius of action formula. It's a technical term in air navigation, and I just want to deal with this just for a second. <clears throat> and I know I get to going fast, and I've been trying to slow it down. And, but it's referred to a point on a flight at which, due to fuel consumption, a plane is no longer capable of returning to the airfield it left from. And I know I dealt with this uh, a few times ago, maybe a few months back. And, and so what it is is a plane... You know, once they're, maybe they're traveling a thousand miles and they reach over that 500 mile mark where they're halfway, they could go either way. They've got enough fuel to get them there and back. But once they hit that 700 mile mark, they've got 300 miles left of their destination or 700 miles back to their original point that they took off from. And so at that point, they reach a, they reach a point in the flight where due to fuel consumption, they can't go back. And I, I believe, you know, I believe as the message, I believe we've reached that. It, there's no going back. If, if, if you see people turn away and you see people fall away, it's because they never had it. And, and I believe God is, if there's a seed there, I believe God can bring them back. So I don't, just because people leave, I don't, I don't throw them out. I mean, I, God can deliver them. God can bring them back. I'm a firm believer in that. I believe, you know, that when people leave, we ought to still call them. We ought to still pray for them. We ought to still check on them. Just because they leave the message doesn't mean they've left God entirely. If there's a seed gene on the inside of that person, God will bring him. He said, I'll not lose a one. Is that right? And so this point of no return, it's a point beyond which you can continue on your current course of action because turning back is impossible. Now we see that Jacob, we look at, look at Jacob, he said he stayed there until something happened. And you know, he's wrestling with the angel of the Lord and he said it made him walk different. It made him, it made him a different person because he stayed there until that happened. And he was able, he said, the Bible said he held until he prevailed. Now, there's a, there's a quote that says, if you're persistent, you will get it. If you're consistent, you will keep it. And so you look at some of these people that win the lottery, and they win millions of dollars. And there was a man, I read a story not long ago, he'd won you know, a couple million dollars, and he was, uh, he was a, just a blue-collar laborer like many of us, and, and, and he, uh, he won all these millions of dollars, and five years later, he was back in the blue-collar job because he had spent all the money. So if you're persistent, you'll get it. If you're consistent, you'll keep it. Now, if you work really hard for something, once you get to that position, once you get to that place, you've got to be consistent to keep it. You know, just because you're saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, God has sanctified you, He's called you, He's justified you, you're in church, you know, and I, I don't know about y'all, but the devil didn't let up once I got to that point. Did he with y'all? No, he didn't. Not a lot of no's. We're all like, is he listening to him? You know, we don't, we're not afraid of him. Is that right? You know? All right. You know, the devil, they say, he's the most faithful member in church, right? right? And I say if we kick anyone out, it ought to be him. First thing, if we're, if we're going to remove somebody, let's, let's, let's let him know at least where we stand, what side we're on. 
you know, I may not be the, the best at this or the best at that, but I guarantee you the devil knows I do love the Lord. Is that right? You know, and when I, when I first started preaching, I had just a little catch. I couldn't help it. I would say, do you love the Lord about 3,000 times during a service? And I found out the church does love the Lord. And, you know, so uh, that was a good thing. But, but we love the Lord this morning. And so we, we want to focus on Him. And, and I love this. You know, uh, a few years or a while back, you know, I probably went through, you know, one of the greatest trials that we've ever been through as a family. And, and you just really didn't just know what to do. And, 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 you know, we were kind of at a loss, just, just, you know, just didn't know what to do. We were on a wilderness journey, so to speak. And, and you know, I, I, uh, I had a lot of people, you know, tearing at me, you know, what are you going to do? What, what, whose side are you on? And, and I don't like that question at all. Whose side are you on? Who are you for? And I think anytime a church gets to the point where whose side are you on, there's, there's, there's problems. Is that right? And, and one thing that I started, I started telling people after a lot of prayer and a lot of talking, you know, and I had, I had ministers calling me and I would just, you know, ignore it because I didn't want to talk about it and, and I didn't want to get into it. But I had one minister, you know, he said, he apologized. He said, I'm sorry I didn't call you through this, through this situation, but I just didn't know whose side you're on. And I was kind of mad. I was like, well, whose side did you think I'd be on? And he said, well, I didn't know. I said, well, I'm on God's side. First of all, every believer ought to be on God's side. Is that right? And, you know, I read a quote by Abraham Lincoln. He said, my greatest concern is whether or not God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side, for God is always right. And so I believe that no matter what situation you come up against, no matter what the church is facing at any given time, if you stay on God's side, you're on the right side. Is that right? If, if a man says go here, or if uh, somebody says go here, and it's not lining with the word, then you stay on God's side, and God will take care of you. Is that right? The other day I was dealing with my son and, 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 and he's here and he's listening, but Matney, he's a little bit, he's a little bit scared. He's easily scared. He don't like walking through rooms with the lights off. And the other day I made a statement. I even apologized almost after I said it. I just said, quit being scared. And I was like, I'm sorry, that's, that's not a solution. And so it's kind of like looking at somebody, you know, it's, it's like looking at a depressed person and just say, be happier. Thank you for that amazing advice. I, I never would have thought of that to be happy, Right. And so my son, he even kind of looked at me, he's like, I can't help that I'm scared, right? So there's ways that I can deal with that, and, and there's, there's things in your life, you know, well, I, well, I want to lose weight, well, be skinnier, well, duh, that's what I'm trying to do, but that's not helping anybody, right? You're just giving them what the interim solution looks like, and, and I can say to the church, well, we'll just, we'll just do this, or do that, or do this, or do that, but you have to find and deal with that specific situation, and with my son, I have to let him know, you know, hey, daddy's here. You know, the, the lights are on. No one else is here. And, 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 you know, you're safe. This is a safe place. There's, you know, no one has ever broken into our house. We have a, we have a great Dane outside that'll bark. We have a, a, a short-haired pointer that'll bark. We have all this stuff in place. And daddy's got guns in the tops of all the closet. We're a safe place here. And that's how I make him safe. I just can't say quit being scared. Because that doesn't help him. It doesn't help me. And I apologize. Like, that doesn't make any sense. I, obviously, it's good to not be scared. But let me tell you why you shouldn't be scared. Right? Do you believe that? And so you deal with people who are depressed. You can't just say, be happy. Or you have to get down and say, well, why? Why are you depressed? What, what's got you down? And you have to deal with those situations to change it. And that's the way God is. He doesn't just come in and give you the solution. You know, in life, in school, we're given lessons and then we take a test. But in life, we take a test and it teaches us the lesson. Is that right? So we see that when God is doing something with a church, He's doing something with a group of people, or He's doing something with an individual, God is going to come and He's going to give you tests. And then eventually, when you pass that test, you have then learned the lesson. So I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know... Don't 
don't know what's going on in your life. And, and I, I begin to look at this because when I say something, I like to at least back it up by the Scripture. And I was like, well, I remember in the Bible, God said, fear not. And that was almost like me saying, don't be scared. And so I was like, well, i got to go find that Scripture. And it was Deuteronomy 31 and 6, and he's talking to Joshua here. And he says, be strong and of good courage, fear not, nor be afraid of them. Now, if he'd have left it there, that's just a blank statement, don't be scared. But then God goes on and says, for the Lord God, he is that doeth, or he is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. So he said, you know what, don't be afraid, because why? Because I'm going with you. So this journey, this wilderness journey on this morning, I can say, do not fear. Why? Because the Lord thy God will go with thee. Do you believe that this morning? Brother Branham says, I'm 23 years now in the gospel. And he said, I've done come too far to look back now. And I love that. You know, that, that theologian from Kentucky, I've done come too far to ever look back. He says, I've done seen too much. He said, I don't care what the people say. He said, I know. He said, yes, sir. No matter if the whole world says different, he said, I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he's able to keep me and that which I've committed unto him against that day. And so we see that when you truly believe in God, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. If you're living a life for God and God is leading you to go somewhere, don't worry about what this one says or what that one says. Stay with the word. Is that right? Amen. I believe there's a saying that says, you know, a lie is still a lie even if everyone believes it and the truth is still the truth even if no one believes it. Amen. So if you've got a bunch of people saying, well, this is the truth and you look at the media today and how much power they have to corrupt anything and you look at social media and how much power they have to corrupt and they can make anything look real and, and you know, you don't know who to believe, right? You're like, well, do I do this or do I do that? This one says this or this one says that. But I can promise you one thing. The Word of God, it does not change. The message of the hour, we are a blessed people in this day that we had a prophet come in this last day and show us what we needed to have to get through to the rapture. Is that right? Now, we look at all the things that God has given us and all the great things that God has sent us through the prophet, through Brother Branham, through the message of the hour, and it lines so directly with the Word of God that there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And so we have something that the world just doesn't have. We have, we have something that's, that's showing us not our end destination, but it shows us the way to get there, right? It's like, don't be afraid that, that's good. You know, maybe some people have that, and you look, and I was talking to some people at work the other day, and, and I was kind of just asking why they, you know, I pulled a brother Earl on them just to ask them a question to see what they really, if they really knew what they were talking about, and I was like, well, why do you go to church? And, you know, um, well, you know, it, it makes me feel good, and, and you just kind of, you know, I just feel good. I'm like, all right, well, do you feel good when you leave? Well, I mean, sometimes, well, let me introduce you to someone who can make you feel good all the time, and that's Jesus Christ. You say, well, I don't feel good all the time, but I promise you you got somewhere to go. Is that right? You look at all these people that really doesn't have an absolute to go to. They, they, have, to get in that, they have to get in that spirit of, of, of worship at a church. They have to get in the spirit of, of praise at a church. But when we leave, we have something different. We have the Holy Spirit that goes with us. Is that right? Do you love the Lord this morning? Now, he said, let's get over it. Brother Brandon is saying in Israel and the church, he said, let's get over here just a bit and, and, and hit this text right back. He says, Israel through the wilderness. He said, look at all the people just like today. He said, ministers, don't be discouraged. He said, look here. He said, he said just like he says, remember the murmurers, not one of them ever hit the other land. Not one of them. He said, they murmured and complained. They'd all left the garlic pots in Egypt and was eating angels' food and complaining about it. I just couldn't imagine that. All right? But then I kind of looked back at my life. I was like, well... You've been eating angels' food a long time, and you've complained. It may have been small, but you did it. And what did I need? I needed God to get me back on track. Is that right? So 
you know, a lot of times it looks like we beat ourselves up, right? I think we're probably our worst enemy. We, you know, when, when we fail, we deal with it in a, in a spiritual, in a mental state where we, we battle that. And, and the main thing that I've learned in, in talking to, to different people, and when you do fall, don't stay down. Get back up. That, that shows you the difference in your nature. That shows you, the, that shows you that your spirit is of a different kind. It's not your human nature that's in control. It's the spiritual nature of Jesus Christ. Because when the devil knocks you down, you get back up again. Is that right? So we see that they had left the garlic pots in Egypt and was eating angel's food and complaining about it. He said, isn't that right? He says, well, brother. He said, he said brother Bill, I tell you, I don't know what I'll do. My husband will leave. And he says, let him leave. He says, you separate from everything. He said, he will not forsake his own and cling to me. It's not. He said, he that will not forsake his own and cling to me is not worthy of me. He said, I don't know what my mama will say. He says, what do you care what mama says? It's what Jesus said. Yes, he said, and that's Israel in the church. So we see that whenever we come to this position, it's not what this one says, not what that one says, but it's what God says. Do you believe that? And now I just want to, just for just a few moments, I'll close with this here just in a, just in a few minutes. And, and so we, we look here, and you look as the, the children of Israel as they journey, and you look at their battles that they go through and the battles they face, and and I want you to just, you know, just think this morning. I'm, I'm sure, you know, as a, as a church, you're going through a journey and, and to, to waters that maybe you've never seen. And me and my life, I know I've been through things that I've never seen and just don't know what to do. And so if I could just give you a word of encouragement this morning, I would say just to follow Him. Amen. If you stick together and you follow Christ, God will lead you where you need to go. Is that right? He, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. No matter what the situation is, God will lead you in His paths of righteousness where you need to be. And so we look and... And, and you know, back to back to Ruth, just there for a moment, and and you look at what she had to do, and it was kind of uh, before I went to bed, I just went and read the the book of Ruth last night, just to kind of freshen up on it, and and, and just kind of read and kind of kind of settle down before I got in bed there, and it was so amazing to me at how much Naomi tried to get her to stay, but there was something on the inside, and and I, I tell you, it's, it's amazing to me how how some of you this morning are still here after so many people have tried to push you away. After family members have tried to push you away. After, after work situations have tried to put you away. After church situations have tried to put you away. But you're still here. Is that right? And that allows you to access the kinsman redeemer. Do you believe that? You know, I believe Brother Branham paints it as, the, as we were sold out into the pawn shop and as Satan just threw us out and, and just used us for naught. And, and then we see that, that we were bought back with a price which was the blood of Jesus Christ. Is that right? That it was something that he didn't do just because he had to, but he did it because he wanted to. He wanted fellowship with you and I. Do you believe that this morning? Now we look here and we look in Exodus, and I'm just going to close with this just in the next few minutes. And, and I, I, I love this scripture here. It's Exodus chapter 14, and, and we'll start reading in verse 13. And, and Moses, and we see the children of Israel had come, uh, they had come to the Red Sea, and, and they begin complaining unto Moses again. Right? They come to what I would call a, a point of decision, right? And we all come to those, uh, you can call it a crossroads. And I don't know if any of y'all have ever, ever been in these situations. And maybe, you know, as a, as, a, as, a, as a child, remembering back, you know, me and my cousin and maybe my sister, you know, we all get together and we're, we're going to go ask them for this. And, you know, one team member chickens out. You turn around, they're gone, you know, and then... Well, they're gone, so you, you, you run away, and then all that's left is the one left petitioning to have this thing, right? And so you see that when you're at a crossroads, you have to make a decision. Now, one thing that people don't realize about a crossroads, if you stand still, that's a decision. 
lot of people come to a situation, they're like, I just don't want to speak on it because of a specific reason. That's a decision. You made a decision not to try or not to cross, not to go a certain way, and you can't just sit still your whole life. You've, you've come to a point in your spiritual walk with God and and you have the option to go further, to go a little deeper into the Word, or stay where you at. And, and I can tell you, you want to go deeper with Him. Is that right? You want to go further with Jesus Christ. And, and the children of Israel, they come to a crossroad. And of course, uh, the children of Israel begin to cry out. And, and Moses gets mad at them, and, or, or angry at them. And he says, Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. And again, he didn't just say fear not. But he said, fear not and see the salvation of the Lord. So he's saying, he will show you, which he will show you this day. For the Egyptians whom you have seen this day, you shall never see them again. You shall see them again no more forever. Now that's a pretty powerful statement. I love that. When God, when he, when he, God gets a victory, he gets a victory. You know, when, when he beats an enemy, he beats the enemy. When he defeated death, hell, and the grave, there was no coming back from that. Satan is fighting a losing battle. Do you believe that this morning? There's no way that if you're a seed of God, God said he will not lose a one. And if you look down through Scripture, God has not lost a battle yet. Do you believe that? So if you truly believe that, I want you to think about that today, that when God says he's, he's reserved you, he's called you for a purpose, purpose. I want you to know no demon out of hell can stop you from achieving that. No demon out of hell can stop you from getting further with Christ or getting deeper into the Word of God because if God has called you to that, that's where you're bound to be. Do you believe that? Now the Lord shall fight for you and ye shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, wherefore Christ thou unto me, speak to the children of Israel that they go forward. But lift thou up thy rod and stretch out thine hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground in the midst of the sea. And I love this. I love this so much because God says, don't cry unto me. Cry to the children of Israel. Tell them. And you look into the New Testament when that is, when that is changed or what we're given in the New Testament. He says, the word is nigh thee even on thy lips. Is that right? Where it doesn't, we don't have to go back to the prophet if he would just say this. But no, we've been given the authority as believers that when we speak something, Satan has to move. Do you believe that? When we speak healing, healing has to take place. When we speak deliverance, deliverance has to take place. When we we speak restoration restoration has to take place because we have that authority in Jesus Christ do you believe that and so I say to you this morning I don't just say fear not I don't just say don't be afraid don't be worried about what the future holds I just want you to know that fear not because he's going to be with you if you stick with Christ God will lead you through do you believe that this morning amen do you love the Lord Amen. I know we're all on a wilderness journey in our spiritual lives, and, and maybe we're not in, all in a wilderness journey as what the children of Israel would be, but we're all facing battles that none of us know about. You know, I, I really have a lot of respect, you know, because, uh, you know, things that I've gone through that people didn't know about, but they were praying for me. And p things that you go through that I don't know about were praying for you. And I believe as believers of like precious faith, we have the ability to pray for one another. Brother Branham said that's the most powerful weapon a believer has is prayer. He said, the most powerful weapon a believer has is prayer. And I can promise you, when you pray with sincerity and faith, God will back it up. Do you believe that? Amen. We go down to the musicians come, but it's hard for me to remember. Sometimes I get to thinking, I thought we started at 10, but I think we, if we did, I'm really sorry. I went way over, but if we started at 1030, I think we're okay. So, amen. Do you love the Lord this morning? You know, I, I hope something was said that would encourage you along your way and and, and when you're going through situations, remember that he will be with us. I think that's the, that's the, the main thing. You know, Brother Branham, uh, 
when he speaks so often, he's so thankful that the Spirit of the Lord came because that's what he needed to actually have the message. Is that right? That's what he needed to have deliverance, the healing. Everything consists around the Lord Jesus, or around the Lord Jesus Christ coming in the Holy Ghost in this day, leading us to that promised land. And, and you know, Brother Branham, he doesn't typify the promised land as heaven. He talks about that. I don't know if you study the message, he says, you know, the promised land was not heaven. He says there was, there was wars there. He said, heaven, there won't be no wars. Right? Are you looking forward to that day where there's, there's no more pain, there's no more sorrow, there's no more wars, there's no more arguing, there's no more strife? It's just all in with Jesus, or with Christ. That's where we're meant to be. And so we definitely are thankful for that. And I, I said that wrong, and I didn't want you to think that I was typing the promised land as heaven because Brother Bram said that was, not, that was not it because there was wars there. And, and so we see that when you look through the message, that made me happy, you know, because I kind of had thought that as a young man coming up. I, I thought, well, man, we get to the promised land, you know, Joshua is a type in the Holy Ghost leading us over to the promised land and whatnot. And, and then you see Brother Branham comes and he, he corrects that. He says, you know, the promised land is, is not typifying heaven in the Bible because there's wars there. And he said, in heaven, there'll be no wars. And then, of course, he gets into the millennium and everything, and, and we will not go there. But it's so amazing how, how a prophet can say something so simple and just change your whole outlook on everything. And then it lines that word right back up perfectly together. Amen. Do you love the Lord this morning? Maybe if you just play something softly as we, as we pray just before we, just before we close the service. And dear Lord, we just come before you, and we just, just thank you for you allowing us just to join together again this morning. Lord, we just... Uh, we just want to pray for the local body, Lord, our church at home. Lord, and, and other members of the Bride of Jesus Christ, we just, want to, we just want to join together with our faith, Lord. And, and Lord, just believe as, as that day gets closer, as that day approaches, Lord, that we would just continue on stronger and stronger with you. Lord, I pray if there be, be any sick among us, Lord, this, this morning, God, that your healing power would go forth and just deliver them now. God, if there be any, be anybody here with questions, God, I pray you just lead them and guide them through the scriptures, Lord. Lay it on the ministry's heart that comes through, Lord, just to speak on those things, Lord, that you would just lead and guide them. Lord, we just want to thank you again for just coming and speaking to our hearts and allowing us just to join together and, and praise you this morning. I pray that as everyone leaves and as we go back to our place, we'll just take you with us and take that sweet spirit with us that, that wherever we would go, that people would know that, that we had been around you, Lord, and that when we leave, Lord, that, that that Holy Spirit, that Holy Ghost that holds us, Lord, that it will shine in this day, Lord, that we can be witnesses to those around us and lead more souls to Christ. Lord, we don't want to see anyone lost. We want to see all those that can come. We want to see them come. God, I pray you just allow us just to be witnesses and lights for you in this day. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. We are standing on holy ground. We are standing on holy ground. And I know that there are angels. Let's just lift our hands and worship it for a moment. Let's praise Jesus now. We are standing in His presence on holy ground. Once again, with all our hearts.
clap of praise. Amen. You may close it out. Amen. Amen. God bless you. It's been a, been a pleasure to preach to you. You're such an easy group to preach to. We just appreciate the invitation. Amen. God bless you. Amen. You enjoy that this morning? Amen. Amen. So I want to wish each one of you a very happy and safe uh, Labor Day weekend. Uh, and spend time with your families. Uh, just uh, come together. Uh, good to see such a good uh, house full of people this morning. We got some on vacation and doing things, and uh, we pray for their safe return. But uh, keep each other in prayer. Keep the church in prayer. Uh, we will have a meeting with the men here in the very near future. Uh, but be in prayer, um, folks. Right now, you you know who's leading us. So that pillar fire is here. Christ is here with us, and now is the time when we stand up and realize that he is here, and that's who we follow. So um, uh, pray for us. Uh, we need your prayers, and we'll pray for you uh, in the coming days, and let's, let's stick together. Uh, we look around, brothers and sisters, in Christ. We're for family. Amen? Amen. Amen. So uh, I'm not a singer, but we'll... we'll <laughs> Sing something a little more upbeat this morning. Uh, just whatever you think. <laughs> this little light of mine, that sounds great. Y'all gonna have to sing loud because I'm not a singer, okay? <laughs> oh, this little light of mine.